He's Christian. He's Jimmer. Jimmer's back. For another episode of Two Physical Therapists and a Bag of Chips. Maybe two more. Two more episodes? I might go into retirement. Oh, well, I mean, we're just shy of 100. you got to hit the 100 mark. Yeah. Yeah, that was, then I you, was, then that was joking. Can, I can't retire. Go. Oh. I have kids in college. Several? Uh, yeah. Two All half. of them right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, congratulations. Well, well done. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, well anyway. This um, week. Are we, are we just, we're just both going to talk. I'm just looking at the chips. What do we got this week? El Valle potato chips, ham flavor. The, the picture on the bag looks delicious. It's got potato chips and then chunks of ham. Yeah. Turns out there is uh, no ham in the ingredients. It's uh, more on that later. Oh yeah, that's right. We're gonna do pectoralis injuries. But first, yeah, let's do that. Pectoral am I, am, injuries. Am I screaming? Why are we so loud? the bag. Oh, the bag. My yeah, apologies. The bag is loud. Don't worry. That can be fixed. We'll cut it out. Uh, pectoral injuries. Two main muscles. Pectoralis major, which everyone knows is, is the pec, uh, is the big one that sits right on your chest. Underneath that, a smaller one called pec minor. Also important. Also can be injured. Not as common, but it does happen. Pec major has two portions, the clavicular head, which runs along your clavicle, so your collarbone, and the sternal head, which runs along your sternum. Uh, they have different roles depending on the position of your arm, but the roles are pretty similar. Main function is to move your shoulder, so they're going to do flexion, which is bringing your arm up, adduction, which is bringing your arm towards the midline, medial rotation. Uh, when you get above 110 degrees of flexion, it actually does extension because it pulls your arm back down. Yeah. Pretty exciting. It's a pretty cool muscle. Pretty exciting. Pec minor is attached, well, it's attached to your ribs and your scapula, and so it's predominantly a scapular muscle, mostly a stabilizer. It does depression, adduction, protraction, internal rotation, downward rotation of your scapula. It also moves your ribs upward and is an accessory muscle of breathing, which is helpful for diagnosis sometimes. Yeah. Those are your two main muscles of the pec, and injuries there can range from uh, strains to tears, tears being not ideal, tendon ruptures being probably the worst of the bunch in that, that particular group there. Not very common, thankfully. And the most... Unless, unless you're a lineman in the NFL. Yeah, much more common these days. That's a good point. The most common way to hurt it is going to be eccentric load. And so you take something really heavy and you move an arm that's contracting and it doesn't move that object but is overcome by that object, such as in football and linemen, uh, you can uh, tear it or rupture it. So the most common way we see is bench press at the gym. Or eccentric flies. Eccentric flies, sure. Flies yeah. is a great way to hurt it. Yep. Gyms are, uh, you know, for us at least, the most common way that we see any kind of pectoral injury. Thankfully... I mean, a handful a year, two, three, I think, I've seen over the last year or so. Yeah, yeah, it's not that common. No, not very many. Uh, symptoms, I mean, pain in your chest. Usually there's some kind of swelling, bruising. Uh, for more minor ones, you'll see muscle spasming uh, beyond just sort of the normal level. Uh, sometimes you have difficulty moving your arm. That's a more problematic sign. Uh, there will be a visual deformity if there's a partial rupture or, or a more significant tendon rupture there. Those are predominantly more visually apparent with the pec major. Uh, the pec minor being smaller underneath that pec major, it's, it's hard to see a visual defect in most cases there. But you can definitely 
palpate it and feel a defect if that were to come up. Just treated one, oh, a couple, like a month ago. Peck minor, strain. Biggest sign was extreme pain with sneezing. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Excessive forceful exhalation. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very painful. Sharp pain. 10 out of 10 pain with sneezing. Uh, post bench press or chest kind of day injury sort of thing. No sports. Obviously, we're not playing any real sports right now. Uh, secondary ping level pong. of discomfort. Ping pong. Yeah, that's good. Uh, secondary level of discomfort was with running and particularly sprinting. So kind of more aggressive movement of the upper arm. Uh, and those helped rule in the pec minor versus any kind of pec major discomfort or any potential underlying issues uh, of the ribs, which is pretty common, and uh, any intercostal sort of things, displaced ribs, all that sort of fun stuff does pop up from time to time. But generally speaking, most of these injuries are relatively obvious and not something that somebody can just kind of shake off. A lot of people who work out like this are pretty familiar with, with chest soreness and chest discomfort. And there's usually a pretty big difference between a normal soreness feeling and when you've got an actual injury to that pectoral muscles. muscles. Plural. Yeah, plural. There's grading on these. Grade one is mild. Again, most people uh, can recover on their own without any treatment with that. It'll take, uh, you know, a few weeks to a month. Uh, a grade two is not a full rupture, but a significant injury. This can vary considerably in terms of length of recovery time. Uh, generally speaking, a month to three months, and then you can have a full rupture, and this is predominantly more of a tendon rupture, and that's a much more significant injury, and that can be in the nine months to year range for full strength and activation and comfort on those areas again. Again, think NFL players. Yeah. And we see it much more common than, than ever before. I can't think of who the last guy was. I mean, maybe, was it J.J. Watt? Did he tear a pec? He did a tricep. Um, I think he tore a pec too, but it might have been earlier in his career. I think Quan Alexander might have done it last year. I don't know. They pop up more frequently than you could really expect these days. Yeah. And so, I mean, it just proves kind of how much force is going on in the sport, how fast the sport's gotten, how big the guys have all gotten, and uh, just something to be careful for. Tendons can't keep up with muscle growth. So you get these guys that are super strong and explosive, and all that force ends up in the tendon, and you can't necessarily strengthen your tendon. No, I have a cool graph that I found a couple, I don't know, months ago, years ago, and it shows how muscle growth changes relative to tendon growth kind of over time. And so muscle can change within a few months, whereas a tendon will change over really several years is kind of the amount of time needed for that tendon to have an actual meaningful, measurable change to it. And so, uh, yeah, that's certainly something that contributes to this. We'll see. We'll post that. We'll, we'll put that up. Yeah. It'll Can't wait to see that. That'd be good. That'll be interesting. Differential diagnosis with pec injury, which is which is rare and certainly more in the acute stages, but, but digestive issues pop up. So somebody's got just a little bit of a upset stomach sort of thing. You can feel that in the chest. Heart attack is obviously highly concerning, and, and generally speaking, those signs are going to be slightly different. Uh, pulmonary embolism is another one, or an aortic dissection. Those are all immediate. Uh, well, digestive issues maybe just at some times, but the other three are definitely immediate hospital trips. If you think you're having a heart attack or anything related to that, definitely take yourself to the hospital. 
don't uh, yeah keep cruising the internet and keep listening to this podcast. That, that's not a good way to uh, to die. You gotta don't, don't have WebMD diagnose your no. heart attack. Have no. your doctor do that. Yeah. No, if you suspect that's up, then uh, definitely get in. Generally speaking, these are much more trauma in nature, uh, falls, car accidents, sports injuries, gym accidents being the number one kind of, and an accident's not the right word, but the weight's too heavy and you kind of lose control and you get that eccentric kind of hyper movement there. And, uh, you know, you kind of can track your injury pretty pretty quickly in most cases with a, with a pectoral injury. I concur. Yeah. We are at trivia time. What was last week's trivia? Which numbers did Michael Jordan wear as a member of the Chicago Bulls? Everybody should have gotten this because everybody's watched Last Dance. Uh, Interestingly enough, one of the numbers isn't going to be in the Last Dance. Oh. So we have numbers 23, 45, and 12. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, huh? 1, 2, 2, 3, 4, 5. So... Uh, on Valentine's Day 1990, uh, Jordan wore number 12 instead of 23. It's believed that Jordan's 23 jersey was stolen. Uh, this was the last game of a road trip. The Bulls didn't have a backup 23 jersey, so they had their just-in-case number 12 jersey, and he ended up wearing uh, just the number 12, no name on the jersey. In uh, 47 minutes, Jordan scored 20 of his 43, sh- or made 23 of his 43 shot attempts for a game-high 49 Losing in overtime to the Orlando Magic on the road. We're giving uh, 100% credit this week to uh, Mr. Paul P. Cat, uh, Dave Gerbarg, and uh, Amber Chang. Well done. And we're going 90% credit to uh, to Grant, the Schumann. Why? He missed 12? He missed 12. They oh. got it eventually, but he missed it. But And Mark. Mark with just a 23 and the 45. Love the guesses, guys. Well done. Keep it going. This week, we got another sports question. Who is the only American to win a medal at the 1980 Moscow Olympics? Which is pretty impressive considering there were not supposed to be any Americans there. Yeah, the Americans boycotted the 1980 Olympics, and that makes this all the more remarkable. Yeah, not just the Americans, by the way. Yeah. Lots of countries boycotted. Right, right, right. But Including it's hard to... the Dutch. There you go. And they didn't medal either. They didn't either. No. Well, that makes sense. They probably didn't have anybody, anybody go there. No. Yeah. But, but so one American athlete medaled yeah. in the uh, 1980 Olympics. Chip time! Woo! El Valar Hemon. These are compliments of uh, Pip and Jamie. We've got a chip chair ratio of 35%. This bag was... Um, like ready to burst. Oh, this was, was this was puffed up. This thing came from sea level for sure. Yeah. Uh, this chip we've got kind of a golden hue. It's a ridged chip. Not golden a, hue. Like not, not a deep ridge. It's a, there's a strong, smoky ham scent right off the bat here. Yeah, we're trying to find the ham and it's not in here. There's a lot of weird product in there. Well, good good crunch off the bat there. Sturdy chip, salty chip. I think that's where the ham is, salt and smoke. Not not getting a... Hmm. Not super hammy. You smell more ham than you taste. I think what you taste is, like you said, salt and smoke. It's got an artificial smoke flavor in here. Mm Mm-hmm. 
um, as well as hydrolysate, a oh, vegetable protein. That sounds delicious. I yeah. need more hydrolysate in my um, in my diet. It's it's not an off-putting taste. I don't mind it, but um, it's not Hambon America or whatever that was called. Quilos, Himani Verco? Himani Verco. Nope. No. Or El Tio Patico, Hamon. No. Um, but having said that, it's a very edible chip. Yeah. I'm going to go two thumbs on this one. Good, good chip consistency, good crunch. Yeah. It's, um, for a chip that looks like a Lay's chip, it, it is way more crunchy and, and yeah. thick. So, uh, I'm going to join you. Two thumbs. What do you think? Uh, well done. Um, El, El Valle. 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 El Valle. Um, these are edible. These are tasty. All right, guys. Thank you for listening today. Next week, we're going to go over taping. We're going to talk about K-tape, McConnell tape, athletic tape, scotch tape, duct tape. I don't know. We're going to just talk about tape. I love talking about duct tape. And then we are going to review the Colby Spudkins Honey Barbecue. Compliments of Lisa. So those, those, Ooh. Those will be and we good. got some chips coming. We got some other. Got some, oh, yeah. some delicious chips coming from... Uh, um, what was it, like a hoagie sandwich? Pastrami uh, on rye? Pastrami on rye. That's yeah. what it was. Yes. That'll um, be... Maybe, maybe two or three weeks out. Huh? We'll, we'll see. We'll see yeah. when we get them. It's going to be delicious. If you like today's episode, please tell your friends, follow, review, subscribe. If you want more information about this topic, definitely follow us on Instagram and Twitter throughout the week. If you're looking for more information on rebound therapy, check out our website, reboundclinic.com. He's Jimmer. I'm Christian. Thanks for listening.